Welcome to the Success IQ podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson, and this is episode 95. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are in the world. I truly hope you are having an amazing week. So one of the things I can't believe is we're at episode 95. So 100 is clocking up very soon. We've got a very special episode coming up, but you'll have to listen to that one if you want to know more. So we have got an amazing guest, John Murphy. Now, who is John? Well, John is a podcast host, international executive leadership coach, and a best-selling author. John is, brings a vast array of experiences and knowledge to the show today. John began his working life as a door-to-door life assurance salesman and rose to the rank of CEO of a pan-European life assurance company in Ireland. Then, in 2004, John started his own business, John Murphy International, and has worked worldwide across a broad range of industries. His clients include Airbus, State Street Bank, Vodafone, Johnson & Johnson, and many more. Today we're talking about some of the key traits of top executive leaders and what we can learn from them and much more. So let's get started. John, welcome to the show. Jeff, it's great to be here and thank you for the invitation. I am really, really looking forward to having this conversation with you. But before we really dive into it, can you give us a backstory of what's actually brought you to this point today? Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I'll give you the the short and abbreviated version because I'd bore you to death if I gave you the long, the longer one. But I, I had did have the very kind of traditional corporate career in the sense that I started off as a as an insurance salesman many many years ago, then progressed to being a manager, a sales manager, sales director, marketing director, moved around to a few different companies, and uh, the last proper job I had was of the the CEO uh, of a life assurance company in Ireland, and uh, I did that role for about seven years. Uh, five of which I really enjoyed it. And then I discovered, actually, I enjoyed the journey getting there more, more than I enjoyed arriving at the destination. And and I figured that it wasn't something I really, I mean, I, I enjoyed a corporate life very good to me. I enjoyed the organization I was working for, the people, everything like that. There was nothing wrong with that. It was just I realized, you know, I actually want to do something different than this. And uh, so, as you know, being, you know, if you're in the corporate world and you're at a senior level, you're well paid. You're well paid. You're well looked after. It's kind of difficult to leave, to be honest with you. And as, but I kind of felt I, you know, I really do not want to just kind of stay doing this. And and where else am I going to go? And the, I decided to leave before I decided what I was going to do when I left, which is perhaps not the wisest order in which to do things. But, um, but you know, leaving was the big decision. And I thought, okay, well, I'll figure out what I'm going to do afterwards. But I really kind of when I looked at it, my the bit that I loved in the corporate world was getting a team together, getting the right people in the right jobs, doing the right work, coaching and developing that team and really getting them to work effectively to deliver what they were capable of. And I really decided to that I would you know, build the business around that concept. And uh, and that's what I've been done. That's what I've done. And I've been doing that now for 14 years Um, started off kind of evolving with a certain type of product, then kind of got much more specific in terms of the work I was doing. So the work is always around senior executives, senior leaders 
and their teams and really working to make them optimize the potential that they have. And I said, and I've been doing that. I started in Ireland. I uh, seven years ago decided to move out of Ireland because I thought if I didn't actually physically move, I wanted, I had aspirations to be more global. I thought if I stay in Ireland, it'll be too easy to stay just working there. So I moved, my wife and I moved to live in the south of France. And then that just psychologically opened up a completely different mindset because now it's kind of, well, I can do business anywhere. And uh, for the last seven years, that's where I've evolved. And the business is now truly international where I've got clients all over the world. And I work for some large organizations, some large multinationals, and I work with them internationally. And I also work with individual companies in, in, different, uh, in, in, in different countries. So that's the quick backstory, how I got from where I was to where I am now. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. It's, it's lovely when you get that sort of release that allows you to sort of open up and go, actually, coaching doesn't have to be in my city. It can be, no. it can be wherever, <laughs> wherever I want it to be. It is because I also think that the whole, you know, the coaching world has evolved uh, over, you know, and as you well know, in your own business, it has evolved very rapidly over the last number of years. I mean, when I started, even probably 14, 15 years ago, it was perhaps in many quarters seen as, you know, it was the kind of the last chance saloon that, OK, we'll get we'll get the person to coach and see if that'll fix it. Um, and but now it's, you know, every senior executive, so many senior executives have their own coach. It's actually seen as an integral part of it. And, you know, a lot of the work that I do with, you know, CEOs and organizations is is being that sounding board for them. You know, it's you know, it's not that I, I mean, I can go in, I can coach somebody that's in, as I do in the pharmaceutical industry. What I know about the pharmaceutical industry is not technically is not an awful lot, but that's not the point. I can be the sounding board for the the strategy, for the way of operating, and for the way of working in that organisation. And and that's really what you bring to bear. And you know, it helps that you've actually you've been around the block a few times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you've made mistakes probably before they have, <laughs> and 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 I know all the excuses because I made them. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. And I think probably as a coach, you hear them over and over and over again from your clients. Yes. So it's kind of like you pick up. So absolutely. before, um, so let's look into this. Obviously, you are um, working with um, leadership, helping develop the teams, and and that's where you. Um, where you work what do you think are um sort of the characteristics or the traits of a of a good leader well you know interesting you should you should ask that because i um i published a book a couple of years ago the 10 key traits of top business leaders which is exactly to to what what you're asking and and by the way i, I will make that available to listeners if they, they 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 are interested to to have it and we can tell them where they can go and get that at the end of the podcast but it's it's free to them but i think that there are i mean there there are as I said, I highlight 10, you know, you could argue whether more there probably are. But I think that, you know, there are a couple of ones that I would pick out as being really, really critically important. And one is, is, is about, you know, being the visionary. And, you know, and sometimes I get slightly worried when, you know, people say, oh, God, here's another consultant talking about vision. You know, it's kind of here they go again. And it's not the kind of the, the, the kind of tree huggy, you know, fancy word semantics. It's really being really clear about where are we going with this business? You know, what's the direction we're going in? Because 
when you when you look at organizations, the big challenge for organizations today, uh, one of the big challenges is is you know when the people that we're recruiting and developing are becoming into leadership roles are those millennials. And there's enough research around to clearly state that, you know, what what those millennials are looking for is about engagement, involvement and being part of something that is growing bigger. Now, if you don't have a clear vision and you don't have one that's articulated clearly, then there's there's a gap. There's just a dearth. So they can't be engaged because it then just becomes a very transactional relationship. But I think you know, the, the, the leader of the organization has got to really be clear about the direction, what the business is wants to be, what the purpose of that business is. What does it look like in two, three, four years, whatever length of time it is? And what do we actually need to do? Because that's that's the context for all the decision making. You know, once you've got that clear, then, you know, OK, do we spend, you know, 100 grand here or 50 grand there? Well, is it going to get us closer to our vision or not? Because, you know, they can seem like a good idea, but it's got to make sure that it's 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 giving that. And the leader has got to be the you know the the promoter of the vision the 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 walking embodiment of that vision so, so i think visionary is being really important i mean i don't want to go through all the others but i think things like being of service to the team um you know and being really being a servant to the 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 leadership team that you've recruited so that whole thing about kind of getting the right leadership team and then investing your time in making sure that you're coaching and developing that team. And it's it's the organizations that do that. And yes, you've got other stuff like, you know, being strategic and that's that's important. Being really good at execution is really important. But I think, you know, it is things around the, the, the culture. It is around the passion. It is about the vision. Get that part right. And and I think you're 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 well on your way. Yeah, and that vision's an interesting one because it's there's the amount of companies um, either I've worked in or that I've visited in my job that you can ask a member of staff what the vision is, and the, yeah. the remarks are, I don't know, I think it's written on some plaque in the in the reception or something, yeah. and I, and then the successful ones you can go to anyone um and i can't remember the gentleman i spoke to and he said you know you should be able to speak to the janitor or the um or the or the c or the ceo and or right the way along up and down they should know exactly what the vision is um and that's an important thing isn't it it is important thing and that also i mean that also tells you a lot about the culture of the organization and again culture is one of these words that can that can kind of gets bandied around but you know, culture is is you know is is actually putting it very simply. Culture is the way we do things around here, right? And you know, and I, and I think if you listen to the language, if you listen to about what people talk about at the proverbial water cooler, you can say what you like and you can have what you like in the manual about what our culture is. But if you want to actually know what it's like, listen to the conversations, listen to the the, the way people talk, listen to the way people talk to each other, listen to the way people talk about each other, listen to the way people talk about their customers, about their staff. You know, all of that, that tells you the culture better than anything that's written in a document. And I think that's where leaders have to be. You know the, the the you know the, the the walking embodiment of those, so that they are walking the talk in in terms of making sure that everyone's done, so that there is clarity around it, and to keep doing it. I mean, I you know I've I've worked in organisations that oh yeah yeah we've done the vision bit right, and you know yeah oh yeah no no we did that, and and you and you always get the slight kind of pang in your stomach when you hear that. You kind of think oh yeah okay now that's a tick box exercise right, but. 
you know, and then if you ask people what it is, as you say, you know, nobody has a clue, right? Or they're trying to think, oh, God, what's the word? What are the words on that plaque that I walk by every day in reception? But I don't, I, but, I, but I don't actually, they don't know what it means, even if they can remember the words. And the organizations that are good at doing that, you can see it, you can sense it. And, and also they are the organizations that are performing better. And at the end of the day, this is all linked. This is not just about we love each other and we like each other and we get on great together. It's actually about performing and it's about delivering the results. And I think that, you know, the leader's got to be good at that, but I also think the leader leaders have got to demonstrate that they're really good at execution in the field of play. And that's really important that they do that. And again, you know, there's a very simple way that I have, which is about kind of how you actually go about that. And again, that'll be on the, the, the page that I share with everybody here. Yeah. So at the beginning, you talked about that, that, that sort of that sometimes that is seen as a, uh, a fluffy word vision and all of that. Um, another word that's actually often seen as fluffy is purpose. Yeah. And, you know, um, what are your what are your thoughts about leadership and businesses with 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 or without a purpose? Well, I think that the and again, I go back to if if you look at the people that you're bringing in, the future leaders. I mean, somebody was saying to me, or came across. I actually was interviewing somebody, and they were saying that the statistic is that by 2025, 75 percent of the workforce will be millennials. Yeah, which which is quite a quite a start when you think of it. And if you look at that particular group. That group, as I said earlier on, is all about engagement, feeling that they're part of something, feeling that they're contributing to something greater. It's not a transactional relationship that, you know, I come and work for you, Jeff, and you pay me X amount of money, right? And that's the relationship you have. That's not going to work because that that cadre of people actually think, well, okay, the money is kind of taken off the table as being a major issue because they believe, not the money's unimportant, but they believe if they don't get the money with you, they'll get it with somebody else. Right. So that's kind of, you know, that's that's not an added advantage. And um, you actually need how you're going to retain and engage them is that they are can see themselves as being part of something bigger that's got some purpose. And they are looking for purpose driven organizations. And it's a big challenge to kind of, you know, kind of a lot of senior managers and senior uh, leaders at right now is that they did not grow up in that kind of in those kind of clearly purpose driven organizations or it wasn't such a big topic for them. And now they're actually managing and leading people who are, you know, where the purpose is very important to them and they are struggling with that. And I think, you know, leaders today need to embrace that, that they need to understand is that when you were talking about people who want to work in and belong to a purpose driven organization, what does that actually mean when I come to coach them and develop them? What does that look like? Because it's different to the old days. I mean, the, I mean, you know, you, you and I would have heard it many years ago. Oh, you know, throw them an extra few bob and they'd be happy. <laughs> right? You know, and we and we and we laugh about it, but actually, you know, it was done that way. And oh, and if we improve the bonus scheme, that'll really change things, right? And then you do that, and you kind of realize, mm, and I, you know, I really haven't changed an awful lot. Right. Because, you know, at the end of the day, if you want to change results, it's, it's not you've got to change behavior and mindset because your behavior and mindset dictate your actions and your actions dictate your results. But, you know, you you've got to figure out what it is, what is the mindset that I need to shift in order to do that? 
Yeah, I was um, I was listening into a conversation that um, a couple of friends were having, and and one is um, sort of of the of the of my generation, if you want, and they were speaking to a a, a younger person. And they were talking about almost that same thing. It's like, no, no, you'll you'll work for me because you'll get X. And it'll mm. be, yeah, okay, so you give me health insurance and you give me a car or whatever. But actually, what I'm, you know, what is, what are your, what are your values? You know, what, what environmental issue, what, what do you respect in the environment? Yeah. Do you, do you look at, and funny enough, my son is doing, it's just done an interview survey and one of their first things was is will you do you want to work with a company that solely um respects their ink their their profit or do you want to work for a company who um is more, has got deeper values than yeah. that and you know when you know as you said when i was a kid it was just give me a job you yeah know, exactly just, yeah I, you know i don't i don't care what it is just give me a job because that's money and, and everything else. But actually, you're so right. The kid, the the gener I'll call them kids. That's slightly an insult, but you know, you are to me. Um, the generation that's coming in now, they are very much looking at a a very much of a global or bigger picture to go. Okay, but what is what is the further meaning to this? They don't want to work, you know, or they they don't even as in some cases they don't even feel like maybe they. They should be working, you know, all the hours God sends in order to put that money on the table. They're looking at more of a well, what do I, what am I doing in my personal life, or you know, what what, what is going on in the relationships and stuff. They've very much got that at their forefront um, mm-hmm. as part of their thing, and that's an interesting change, as you were saying. It is. I think also because the you know, if if you go when I started working. Um, I mean, the, the 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 management style was very much command and control. It was, you know, do this, do that, do the other. And if you don't, you're fired. Right. And that command and control, you know, is just, you know, has gone out with the arc. And uh, so, you know, if that's the way that you think you've actually got to figure out, you know, how, you know, how you're going to involve them, how you're going to engage them, how you're going to grow them and how you're going to develop them. But they do have a much more holistic approach to what they're doing um, than perhaps we did in terms of the, we looked at the relationship with the employer as transactional. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Brilliant. Well, I could speak to you about that all day, but we're going to have to jump over to the second part of the show. Okay. So this is where I get to ask you a set of questions I ask every guest who comes on. Um for some for some additional insights. So, are you ready? Sure, absolutely. Fire away. Okay. So, the first question is: How much time a week do you spend on self development? That could be body, mind, and soul. Yeah, it's um, yeah, that's, that's it's an interesting. Question. I mean, one of the things that I do, um, and 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 I've learned kind of from you know reading and interviewing a lot of very successful people is, you know, is having daily rituals. Um, that kind of set set you up, and you know, I kind of I've I've read enough and heard enough to kind of think, yeah, this is a good idea. So I um I start every day with uh with meditation. Um, and now I would not regard myself as a good meditator, um, in the sense that I still struggle with it, but I've learned also not to be hard on myself. But I find it just a wonderful way of doing it, and I find that's a bit like, you know. You're exercising a muscle that, you know, at the times where you actually need it, you can tap back into it. And I find that just fantastic. Um, I also do uh, exercise 
uh, every day. Um, some days I do more than others, but I would do some exercise every day. So and I see that as part of my personal development. And I think it's an integral part of the, of the, of the personal development. And I do, I journal. Now I do kind of a very short, you may have come across a kind of five minute journal um, that, that I do. Um, and, and I find that, that fantastic. I also would be um, a big reader. Uh, so uh, I read a lot that's to do with my business and to do with business in general, but also on the personal development side. And I will always have at any given time a program that I'm undertaking with with somebody uh, or some organization that that is part of my own personal development. So, yeah, big into it. But I mean, you know, I you know, you're singing to the choir when you're talking. to Yeah. Me about yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought I might get a good answer. (laughs) Question number two is, what is your favorite personal development book and why? And it doesn't have to be a traditional personal development book. Yeah, it's it's that's that's a difficult because there are so many. I suppose if I if I if I can be greedy and pick two, one is the one that I kind of go back to time and time again is um, the, the the classic Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. I just find that the most extraordinary book. It's a short little book for those that haven't read it. Those that haven't read it, please go and get it. It's wonderful. I I actually try and read that once a year um, and, and I've read it. I don't know many times I've read it now, but you know, it's every time I go to it, I get something different or I get reminded of something that I've forgotten. And and I just think that is, that is a, a wonderful, wonderful book uh, in terms of your life. The other one that I would pick, which would be a bit more recent and and would be a, a big favorite of mine is a, a book called Grit by Angela Duckworth. Um, and and it's, it's a fantastic book because it really is about, you know, it's about passion. It's about resilience. It's about stickability. Uh, it's about picking yourself up when you're down. And and I think it really is, you know, I think it really, she, she is an, a fantastic lady and she's got a lot of uh, TED Talks that you can go and find out. So there be my two, uh, Man Search for Meaning and Grit. Brilliant. Fantastic. Okay, question number three is what is your favorite app? Uh, yeah, a few that I would have, but my favorite would be Evernote. Because it just is a great place that I can throw <laughs> everything in and then by some miracle find them if when I've tagged them properly. Um, but I just find that it's it's a fantastic tool. It's great on the go. You know, you can take photographs and use it. It's just it's a great tool. It's a great place because, you know, for all of us, there are so many things going around in your head and you kind of think, oh, I must remember that. I must remember that. And at, and at least, you know, with Evernote, you have something because we all have travel with our phones with us. Um, you, know, you have a place to put it. So, yeah, great app. Brilliant. Excellent. Question number four is what's your biggest business mistake and what did it teach you? Oh God, there's so many I could bring tears to your eyes, Jeff. If I, <laughs> if I went through all of that, I one that one that I that's kind of always stuck with me, and I and I learned it a long time ago, um, and just very quickly the story was I was I was managing a sales team, and like every sales team, you've got a you know you've got a I think there were about 25 in the sales team at the time. You've got a, you know, you've got a couple that are that are really shooting the lights out. You've got a group then in the middle that are pretty average, and a few kind of at the bottom that you're trying to either figure out can you can you uh, make them perform or do you move them on? And and I was doing that, and I was focusing so much time. Uh, my mindset was top performers, they're grand, they're working away. And uh, and the others I focus my time on there because they they have it they have it they have it nailed, and one of them came to me one day, and said uh, thankfully said it to me, 
But one of them came to me and said, you know, I'm really disappointed in you. Uh, I said, because you spend all of your time uh, and dedicating your time, you give your time to people who are not performing as well as I am. And, and, uh, and I said, you know, I, I really feel that, you know, you're taking me for granted. And, and to me, I was in my head, I was paying this person a compliment by not spending a lot of time with them. But I learned that you really got to make sure that you look after everybody and that, you know, you give your time and don't make assumptions that just because they're high performers that you leave them alone. I like that one. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because you think, well, you're doing really well. So, you know, yes. keep crack on. But yeah. it's it's some people just need that, I suppose, emotional G up or whatever it is. But yeah, that's a great lesson. I like that one. Okay, question number five is what are your challenges in harmonizing work and life and how do you manage them? Yeah, I, you know, I, being honest, Jeff, it's, it's work-life work balance is not a term I like um, because it seems to say that there's work and there's life. And to me, there isn't. There is just life and, you know, and work is, is part of that. And I think that it's, it, to me, it comes down to it because it's not about an allocation of time or anything like that. And it depends on the season to a large extent. And when I say that, it depends on what's going on in your world at any given time. So to me, it's always is always making sure that I'm I'm focused on what matters most and I'm not neglecting anything. And and that's how I try to find. I can't say that it's X number of hours I do work and X number of hours, you know, I'm not at work because there's sometimes where work is, you know, just takes over and th and that can be fine. As long as that doesn't stay that way, and then when I need to focus elsewhere, then it takes more of a backseat. So I think it is about finding that balance and not trying to be slavish about it or rigid about it. Yeah, I think I think that's the thing. Is it's it's not about saying you're bad if you're working or you're bad if you're not. It's it's looking at it and going, okay, you know, are you aware of how much time you are working, and is it having a negative effect on you? whether it be your health relationships or anything else, or you could then go the other way. Um, you know, are you spending too much time in your personal space and actually not focusing enough on your, on your business? Yeah. And, and, and I think that's true. So I think, so that means that you've always got to be constantly reviewing what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And how do you think from the, in the corporate world, do you think they have a bigger challenge in trying to get that uh, harmonizing right? Or do you think it's just the same as it would be for an entrepreneur? I, I think that um, it, it depends on the organization. I think a lot of corporates um, are very demanding of, 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 of individuals and create a lot of inefficiency in their organizations. I mean, one of the things that I find in, in large corporates, and I know there's a generalization, but, um, is, is the kind of the culture about meetings that we've meeting after meeting, after meeting, after meeting, after meeting, you know, so when in God's name do you get the work done? You know, and and it begins to get a culture of that. And that creates this kind of terribly long hours because people then have to stay, after all the meetings are finished to actually do the work and it becomes it becomes very inefficient i think for so i think that's that can be a driver in if you're in the corporate world i think as an entrepreneur i think the the, the danger is more about yourself in the sense that because you you know by 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 its nature you're doing what you love and you're doing it so it's not a grind it's not hardship to you 
there's a risk that you can actually spend too much time doing it because you actually enjoy it. And I think you've got to make sure that you're finding that balance in terms of not doing it excessively that, you know, you're at work all the time. Yeah, I spoke to a, a gentleman who um, was in the corporate when he went in. Uh, the first thing he introduced was standing meetings only. Yeah, I know. Um, it's and, a good and idea. he said they dramatically reduced how yeah. long the meetings were because there was no one sort of sitting there with a cup of tea and their biscuits and just sort of like having to attend. And he said that completely changed the meeting culture at the company. The other thing is actually starting meetings on time. Because, you know, you, what you what you get is that everyone says, OK, it's, you know, it's 11 o'clock in the morning. It, there's, there's a meeting and they drift in and then they get the coffee and then they get their little chat and the meeting starts at 11.15. So then people say, well, actually, the meeting doesn't start until 11.15, so I won't bother yeah. going. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then they don't get started till 11.30. Exactly. <laughs> so then it, be, yeah. it starts to compound, you know, yeah, so absolutely. it comes out of hand. Absolutely. OK, question number six is what advice would you give an entrepreneur that you wish you had known starting out? Yeah, I, th I think the that's a, that's a really good question. And I think it's a challenging question. But I I would say to anybody starting out, they're they're couple of things that I would say. One is be really focused on your target market. Be really clear about your target market. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think the risk when you're starting out is that you see that anybody who's upright and breathing and has a checkbook is a potential client. Yep. <laughs> and <laughs> and have, we all have. And you know, yeah. and, and there's a you know, I say that tongue in cheek, but the, and there's an yeah. element of truth in that because you've got Absolutely. to pay the bills. Yeah. But I think it is about getting it to be to becoming to refine that to being really clear about your target market. And the narrower that you that you, that you can make it, the better it is for you. But I think being really clear about that. So I think that that would be one. The the other thing is is the um is being is being really keeping a track of your data of all of the data that you have in terms of you know in terms of the the you know the, the obviously the revenue you're generating but also the activity where you're spending your time what you're spending your time on how productive is that so keep you know keep really tight and a lot of information about what you're actually spending your time doing and what is your data telling you? You know, I mean, if, for example, you know, if you're in, if you're in the, the selling a service or a product, you know, how many calls do you make? And it's very much back to that basic sort of stuff. But it's also when you're doing activities, you know, what are the results that I expect to get from that activity and what results am I actually getting so that you're not kind of cutting yourself into how you feel about something, but the data is telling you. And one of the things that I I talk a, a lot about when, I, when I'm working with teams is, you know, what I call about the four A's to bridge the gap between, you know, the potential and high performance. And they're, you know, kind of assessing, aligning, acting and analyzing. And that's kind of assessing your data. What's the data telling you? then what are you aligning on what you're going to do? So what are the things you're going to align on? So everyone's agreed this is what we're going to work on. Then you get into execution and then you analyze the execution and you start that loop again to kind of say, well, what's the, what does the analysis tell us? So that you're constantly going in that, in that loop. And one of the, one of the things I were hearing a number of years ago, uh, and it was by from Warren Buffett, and I think he's always worth listening to, but you know, he said, you know, if you're looking at a business and it doesn't matter what size or big or small, there are probably no more than five things that you need to have in your dashboard that you're keeping a track of. 
And if you keep track of those and you're making sure that they're all working, then you've got a pretty good chance of having a successful business. And I think it is actually, you know, being clear about what those five or six key things are and then tracking that and analyzing the data that you're getting from that. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Okay, uh, question number seven is what is your definition of success? Oh yeah, why don't you start with the easy ones? Yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I you know it's 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 such a difficult one to to and it, and it's one that we you know we challenge ourselves with you know what, how do we define success? And I think that you know when when you're I and I do this with organizations and 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 they always get challenged with it. But on a personal level, I think it's it's to me it's about being fulfilled in the things that matter to me. And um and, you know, that will evolve and change, but it is about being fulfilled. And, you know, and if that's, if I take it in a business context, you know, that's not so wishy-washy because I need revenue to have a have a fulfilled business and to be successful as a businessman. So it's not avoiding the obvious, but, you know, it's it's more than that, but it's actually being fulfilled. You know, I have a role as a as a husband, I have a role as a father, I have a role as a friend, all that's so, you know, I have a role in kind of other things that I'm interested in doing. So it's actually being fulfilled in the different roles that I have. And I think that would be as close as I can get to as the best definition of success for me. Yeah, and I think it's one of the key reasons I um, ask this question is because I'm I'm constantly amazed at how many people um are pursuing someone else's. You know, in the sense of, especially in this world of social media, where you're seeing, you know, all of the people saying that this is what you should be doing and this is what you should be doing in order to be successful. And I think it, it is a very personable thing and not one single person. I mean, obviously, fulfilled even then is very personable to the individual. But, um, you know, you when when you are doing this, if you I've seen so many people go off there and are pursuing this definition of success of someone else's definition Mm. and they're miserable and then they stop for a second and they go hang on this is not what I want I actually want this this and this but I've Mm. spent years trying to do this and it's so for me it's about just highlighting to the listeners everyone has their own version and it's there's not a right or a wrong one it's Mm. just making sure that you're looking for yours yeah, and I think I'd I'd go back to the the late great Stephen Covey, who said, you know, mm. make sure you're leaning your ladder against the right wall. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, absolutely. And and uh, and I think that's such a you know, it's it's a great line, but it's such it is, a profound yeah. line. Yeah. And uh, and you know, and it's actually making sure that, you know, it isn't what society expects of you or necessary. And in the corporate world, it's also not necessarily what the organization is expecting of you necessarily, but being clear about what, you know, it's where it really works in the corporate career is where there's a emerging of, of your ambitions and aspirations and the company's ambitions and aspirations. Yeah, absolutely. I love those. I love those one-liners. My favorite is success comes after hard work, even in the dictionary. Absolutely. Um, and it's yeah. true. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Okay. So we are now on the final question, the life lesson question. All you need to do is pick a number between one and 50 and whatever it lands in, it gives us our final conversational uh, point. Um, It's okay to disagree because obviously we've all had our own different experiences. So please pick a number between one and 50, John. Okay. Three. Number three, end your days the way you want to start tomorrow. So basically what that comes from me is, is, um, and all for, for me, it's similar to what you were talking about rituals. 
So for me, what I've experienced in, with myself when I was recovering from illness and starting a business, I need to make sure um, I bookend my day. So I start my day right and I end my day right. Because what I find out is, is if I don't bookend it, if there is something possibly negative that have gone on at night, that is on the forefront of my brain all night and I don't really sleep. I start um, I started to create all of these terrible scenarios rather than trying to look at it and going, okay, that is what I'm going to act on tomorrow to, to sort that situation out. And also, you know, to um, I do meditation at night just to sort of get me relaxed. I just introduce um, strategies that help me sort of calm myself down, ready for the nighttime. Um, and actually, what I found was is what it does is when I wake up, I, I um, majority of the time feel more refreshed and focused and ready to go. And then I'm ready to start my morning routine. And I'm just wondering what you think about that. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. I mean, I, I, I don't quite do it the way the way you do it, but I do it di- slightly differently. But it's kind of got the same same result is that I won't I won't finish today until I've got tomorrow planned. Um, and and the reason I do that a lot for what the, 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 the same reason that you said is that I want to make sure that, you know, when I get up in the morning, I can hit the morning running and 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 get at it. And I'm not thinking, oh, what what should I do? Uh, or I open up the my email uh, and get distracted by doing that. So to me, it's massively important that I make sure that I kind of close off the day. I do a quick review of the day and I plan tomorrow and I, I won't finish until I've actually got the second, the next day planned. Yeah, it's pretty, I can you know because when I was younger and I was in work, I would sort of turn up at five to nine, start work at nine, then plan until about 10 o'clock. Yeah. And that's it. When you think of it, it's like, God, wow, how much wasted time have you just have you just used? But yeah, you're so right. By sort of having that day sort of planned for Eddie, you'd, there's no loss of energy because you know no. what you're going to do. And also psychologically, you are you know that you're ready to hit the ground running. Yes. Yeah. So for those of you who are interested in working with me in creating and living the exceptional life, then it's I've made it really, really simple for you. All you need to do is jump over to www.successiq.co.uk where you will find all of the solutions, all of the different programs and services that I offer, including you can arrange and book a free consultation call with me for 30 minutes, which we can sort of discuss what you're looking for and everything else. And at the bottom of the page, you can also find how a quick link over to the podcast to catch up on any episodes that you may have missed. So that is www.successiq.co.uk. See you there. Okay, so the floor is now yours for you to share how people can find out more about you and all of those sort of things. Okay, well, Jeff, I mean, first I'd say thank you so much. I really enjoyed this, but I would be delighted if anybody wanted to get um, to a copy of my book, The 10 Key Traits of Top Business Leaders, or you want to get uh, the video that I've done, which I mentioned about the four A's about bridging the gap, or you would like to schedule an, uh, an appointment with me. I've created a page, which is just linking back to your own podcast, Jeff, which is www.johnmurphyinternational.com forward slash success IQ. If they go there, they can get all of those goodies. And if they want to reach out to me, I'd be delighted to hear from them. Brilliant. John, thank you very much. And it just leaves me the final thing to say is wishing you the greatest success. And thanks for joining me on the show. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. 
So firstly, just let me say a massive thank you to all of you who've taken the time to listen to the show. And for those of you who are sending me emails to give me feedback about the show, what you like, what you'd like to see, I am extremely grateful to you all. I would be really grateful as well if you have time and the inclination to jump over to iTunes and leave a rating and review for the show as it really does help me stay on my mission, which is to help people create and live an exceptional life. Finally, you can get hold of these podcast show on many different platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, all of those ones that you probably listen to regularly. Um, All you need to do is hit subscribe and get them straight to your phone, which makes life so much easier. So just finally wishing you an amazing week. Take care and don't forget to keep pursuing the exceptional.